Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Welcome to the Seahawkers podcast, your Seattle Seahawks podcast by 12s for 12s with your hosts, Adam Emmert. You know what you do when life gives you lemons? You don't make lemonade. You kick life in the balls and you demand it gives you something better like bacon. Bacon's delicious. And Brandon Schultz. If you want to put your money toward helping this team win, buy a ticket to the game on Sunday and bring your adult voice and scream your adult brains out. That will make 10 times more the difference. Go Hawks! Be on a quest to own the West. Yippee-ki-yay, we make the ground shake. All game day 12-10. Yay, zero, it is vital. The Seahawks coming to take division titles. We are Coach Carroll because he's in. I'm in. We all in. Welcome to the Seahawkers podcast. Your Seattle Seahawks podcast by 12s, 412s. I'm Brandon Schultz, member of the Military Seahawkers, and across the table for me, my good buddy, Adam Emmert. How's it going, man? It's nice to have you again across the table, like old times, man. Across the table. I know. It's it's happened just twice here in the last couple of months. The off-season's been good to us. It has. It has. Absolutely. So you got the, the, the fam on spring break, and so you decided to go south for spring break yeah. uh, by a total of 120 miles. Yeah. Congratulations. Because, yeah, you know, Missoula is the uh, the place to go for spring break. Right. I don't know if you know this. Uh, I think if you asked all the college students here, they would wholeheartedly disagree no they're, saying, they're all gone yeah you're supposed to go somewhere else for spring break. that's true yes but we have seahawks news to talk about adam it's been a couple weeks and it's a good mm-hmm. thing because had we recorded last week the, the the not a lot of seahawks news that just just happened this last week so no. we've been holding on to it though and and we have stuff to talk about absolutely so this is good yeah. uh we're gonna talk offensive linemen a lot of offensive line news out there, Russell Okun goes to the Broncos. Uh, the Seahawks pick up a couple guys, and yeah, it's uh, it, things are looking good according to Pete Carroll and John Schneider. It's the, roses. Things are looking good on the offensive line, so we're going to talk about that. According uh, to plan, all all according to plan. Yeah. Uh, compensatory picks were announced, so the Seahawks picked up some draft picks. We'll get into that. Uh, and speaking of draft picks, we have a couple guys that we want to talk about going down a list of of some of the players that Adam is looking at. He's He's run the numbers, and and Adam knows. He knows for a fact. Yeah, uh, at least the first three rounds, the Seahawks, uh, who they've who they have in mind, right? You don't. <laughs> <laughs> we always know. Right? Oh, absolutely. You know, it's uh, it's yeah. always clear cut and obvious. Stone this- cold lead pipe lock. I, I definitely know exactly <laughs> who they're going to pick. We got some other moves that the Seahawks need to make in this free agency period. I have a little criticism for uh, our GM, John Schneider, that I think we need to get into. Okay. And uh, we've heard some interesting comments from current players and former players, uh, from Cam Chancellor and Bruce Irvin these last few weeks. So we'll get into that. We, mm-hmm. Like I said, we have a, a full show a to full get show. into, Adam. Full show. We just had to save up for it. That's all. <laughs> well, you know, it's like when you're putting money in the bank mm-hmm. and, and you want to buy something really, really good. Yeah. It, it takes a little while to save up. And, and that's what we've been saving up for a good show. And, and here it comes. Now, 
Now it's the payoff. I was going to say something else. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm glad. Here, here it comes. I mean, you got to go with the money shot at that point. Okay. Yeah. There you go. Well done. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so let's get started, Adam, with uh, Russell Okun. Mm-hmm. Signs with the Broncos. He's his own agent. Ends up going to the Denver Broncos. Apparently, they didn't even call him. He he called them and set up that visit after going to see the Lions, going to see the Steelers. Mm-hmm. Broncos, where he ends up. Yeah, he obviously can't represent himself very well if uh, he called up, got an appointment, and got himself a job. He must be a terrible representative for himself. <laughs> he, he made it work, right? I, he absolutely made it work. He, he's been getting panned in the I, media over this contract. I don't like this, and I think it has a lot to do with the fact that he went without an agent. A lot of reporters, where do they get their information exactly from? What I was Agents. Say. So it's it's in their best interest to uh, talk this down. And it's interesting how we've kind of seen this news cycle go. Uh, and and just by the sheer fact of us waiting two weeks to record, we, mm-hmm. we've seen the, the cycle, right? We've seen it. People go, oh, this is the worst deal ever for Okun. It's terrible. There's no guaranteed money. And then... A couple of weeks later, it's like, oh, well, it's, it's not so bad. It's actually, it's, it's pretty, it's okay. It's, it's, it's good. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You come around to it and you say, oh, that was a reasonable deal for a guy who has an injury history and is coming off surgery on his shoulder already. And, right. you know, he said it himself. He wanted to bet on himself this season to give himself one more bite at the free agency apple next season. He set this up exactly how I wanted to. Is are the Broncos probably going to pick up the rest of that big contract? Probably not. Probably not. Unless he plays out of his mind. Well, yeah, I guess. And even then, I don't know what their cap space if that's something that's feasible over time. But you know, for him, I thought it was a fine deal. And I thought you brought up the perfect point about the journalists protecting their beloved agents, their sources. Man, sure. Like that's all that was about. That's all that was about. That's. That's how all of these reporters make their living the day after the Super Bowl all the way up until the day of the draft. Because <laughs> right. it's all just speculation. They're getting all that information from the agents and you know a little bit from team sources. Yeah. And that's it. So, yeah, they're going to say, oh, he's got to have an agent because if all the players don't have an agent, where are they going to get their information? They're going to get it on Twitter just like everybody else <laughs> does directly from the player. Well, and so that was it was kind of interesting being able to talk to Joel Corey a few weeks back, right? Because going into this, he he said right then he thought a deal for Okun would be about five million dollars on yep. the market. And that yeah, was exactly. his going market rate. Yep. And that's about what he got with this contract. Now, yep. there wasn't any guaranteed money, but you started hearing that the Lions weren't willing to offer guaranteed money. The Steelers weren't willing to offer guaranteed money. So if guaranteed money wasn't there, then where was he going to get it all of a sudden by having an agent? It, it wasn't going to happen. And so right. the the fact that he was able to get, you know, this contract to where he could get up to $8 million if he hits all the marks, plays really well, a major I think 90% of the time to get to that $8 million level. And it just it seemed like a, a pretty okay deal for for the position that he was in. And there were also a lot of little bonuses at the beginning right. of the contract. So basically, it was something like oh, there's a million dollar workout bonus or something like that. If he that. makes the work, yeah, through yeah, workouts. if he yeah. makes it through workouts, and then there's another, another three bonus. if he's on the opening day roster. Right. So you know, there's four million dollars in bonuses right there <laughs> that are guaranteed if he just is on the roster coming out of the preseason. And the thing about Okun. Here's a guy that he came into this league when NFL contracts, when rookies were getting big contracts right out of the gate. He has a lot of money in the bank. The best guaranteed money is the money that you already have in the bank, right? So if he can have uh, a little bit of, if he can 
if he wasn't able to get any guaranteed money anyway, but it, able to get that uh, those four extra years on the back end of his contract as mm-hmm. part of that option, sure. just to make it look, you know, on average, a better deal. Right. I mean, that's what maybe what his trade off was, and that's maybe willing, ready, what he was willing to accept. Right. Yeah. It, now knowing that that's what he was willing to accept, are you now surprised that the Seahawks couldn't retain him? I was a little surprised because it's it would seem like that would be a kind of deal that the Seahawks would have offered him. And I don't know if it's if it's kind of one of those things while I'm representing myself and it kind of and maybe he wouldn't have been panned as much for taking, you know, a hometown discount because that's probably what it would have looked like or Sure. I've heard other people say, well, the Seahawks then would have gotten hammered because it looked like they took advantage of him. And I don't know about that, but um, it it surprised me that they couldn't have at least matched that kind of offer. And maybe they maybe they just weren't willing to go that high, because now that we look at the rest of the Seahawks offensive line, if Russell Okun makes eight million dollars next year, that's like almost what the entire Seahawks offensive line is going to be making next year. Right. I, I think all I, of them I, together, I, put together, put together. And I, I think I saw a Hawk bloggers article saying that there's what two hundred and twenty two offensive linemen that are are higher paid than any the highest paid member on the Seahawks line or something yeah. like that, or two hundred twenty two players in the NFL. Or something it surprised me because Jamarcus Webb, the guy that the Seahawks signed, is now the highest paid offensive lineman on the team. Right. And what is he getting? Like 2.4? 2. 2.5. 2. Yeah. Here's an idea of uh, top tier left tackles and what they're making right now. Cordy Glenn just signed his deal. 13.7 per year. Trent Williams, 13.2 per year. Trent Williams, a guy that was drafted same year as Russell Okung, by mm-hmm. the way. Uh, Tyron Smith, you know, 12.2. That's what your top echelon left tackles are making and the Hawks couldn't spring for mid-tier money yeah couldn't do it couldn't be bothered yeah well you know because you have Gilliam making uh under a mill and uh and that's part of the, the the strategy of it right like is Gary Gilliam at at one million uh per year or under a million per year gonna be better than you know half the uh, going to live up to a mid-tier player level um and that's a gamble that the Seahawks seem to be willing to take at this point. It is. And it, it is tough. It, the exact numbers Hawk Blogger came up with. 222 players make more than the entire starting offensive line combined for the Seahawks. Wow. 42 offensive linemen make more money than the entire <laughs> offensive line. 42 singular offensive linemen make more than the entirety of the Seahawks offensive line right now. And I get it. I mean, I just like you said, but you know, one guy can't block, you know, four or five guys. That That's true. Well, four or five guys can't seem to block any guys. <laughs> so there's, there's that problem too. And you let your two best go in free agency. Now I, I I'm fine with Okun leaving. I mean, I talked about it on the previous podcast, and how I felt about that. And, yeah. But that was assuming that they could spend five to six million on a replacement type guy. I mean, Donald Penn got about six million a year. Yeah. It seemed like you could get a guy like that. Yeah. And you hear John Schneider come out and say, well, you know, you look at our cap uh, situation, we got to be very responsible on the offensive line. Well, okay. Understand that you have to be responsible money wise, but you also have to be responsible to your quarterback too and like actually protect him. Yeah. So you did hear John Schneider come out today or the other day and say that uh, you know there's more work to be done on the line through free agency. Gosh, there better be or the draft. But then you hear Pete come out and just be like, oh, "We're fine. It's all puppies it's and all rainbows. Yeah. We'll, we'll start a unicorn at guard." <laughs> you know, 
<laughs> and that just sends shivers down my spine. I mean, I can just see Russell Wilson like having a Joe Theismann ending to his career, Ugh, you know? That first half of last season was so painful to watch. So painful. And to think that we could be going back toward that. It's, no. It's not fun to think about. No, we can't do it, man. Like, they got to... They gotta at least address this in the in the the draft, but then you hear the rest of Schneider's comments, and he talks about every year like the tiers of players in the draft, right? Like there's three really good offensive linemen, there's ten mediocre offensive linemen, and then there's you know forty crap linemen in the draft, mm-hmm. and so there's those three tiers, and however you decide how that works out by round. And you hear him say, well, there's not really much of a drop-off from top to bottom. That's code for him saying, we think we can nab a guy like sixth, seventh round who's a defensive lineman and turn him into a starting guard. Yeah, so for any of you thinking that the Seahawks are going to go O-line in the in the first couple rounds, I, I would start tempering my expectations because uh, if if Schneider thinks that there's not much of a drop-off, then, then why even why bother going offensive line in the first couple of rounds when there's perfectly good uh, defensive players and skilled players that you can pick up in those rounds? <laughs> right, yeah. Because why why give a crap about the offensive line? Yeah. Why? I when mean, you, why start now? Look, when you're already number t- thirty two in the league of paying your offensive lineman, you you've already shown where what positions you value, and and it's not the offensive line. So, it, which I I understand the the monetary setup. Like I get it. Like I understand the principle of what they're trying to do, but you got to have a little more than that. You got to have a little more oh. than that in commitment and money to the offensive line. Look, paying 30 uh, paying your guys at the bottom of the NFL is not a big deal as long as they perform to a, a higher mediocre level. standard. Yeah, th- th- yeah. To an average level because right. then you found you've you found value, right? Right. And uh, but that's not what we saw last year in the first half of the season. No, that's not what we saw at all because they, they couldn't figure out who they wanted to play at center. Justin Britt was a disaster at right tackle. And you, you saw him scramble midseason and get rid of Drew Nowak and get Patrick Lewis put in there. And uh, you, I think you saw Okun kind of put it together a little bit. And you know, Britt, I guess, was serviceable at guard at that point. And sure, that was great, but... You'd already given up the division to the Cardinals. You'd already cost yourself a first-round buy. Yeah. And you saw how hard that was going on the road this last year. And we knew that that would be the case, oh, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, it's hard playing on the road. There's a distinct advantage to having the playoffs come through the clink. So basically what you're doing is you're giving away that advantage before the season even starts by running out, you know, guys that, that let's face it, they couldn't play as a unit. They couldn't play. So is the answer out there, though, Adam? Is the answer out there in... And a guy like Joe Thomas, uh, left tackle for the Cleveland Browns, a guy that's been at the top of his game at left tackle for these last few years. People saying the Seahawks need to trade that first round pick and get Joe Thomas. Well, I think the Seahawks have the pieces to make the trade. What they don't have is the cap space to make the trade. Sure. And so unless you're also packaging a high dollar player in that trade Mm -hmm. and out of your high dollar players, who do you want to see them trade? Maybe Cam? Yeah. It sounded like they're good, though. It sounds like that Cam and and Schneider are good now. Yeah, we'll talk about that. Yeah, we'll talk about that, and that was all encouraging. But I'm just saying, like, if you had to choose, right, Seahawk fan, like, who do you choose? I don't know. And so, I do. I think something like a Joe Thomas trade is is plausible. I don't think so. Yeah, I, I think we're we're talking about middle tier free agents. If there's really anything left, it's kind of like it's kind of like dating when you're like 32. Like you suddenly have this epiphany that there's nobody left. 
then you're going to be all on. And that's it. Like, and that's where the Seahawks seem to be in free agency when it comes to the offensive line. There's nobody left. I think we could probably get into a Dr. Phil moment here, Adam, but uh, maybe maybe we should move on. on no, there's, that, a, there's a really <laughs> funny uh, little song that was written by uh, uh, these two gals that do sketch comedy, uh, Garfunkel and something. Look it up. It's hilarious. Okay. It's a, it's a little ditty they do. It's about two minutes. And that's the center of it. So people who are kind of opponents to the idea, aside from the cap space idea, not having the money to actually carry Joe Thomas on the roster. But mm-hmm. uh, a lot of people say, well, build through the draft, you know, build through the draft, Adam, sure. build the offensive line through the draft. And I just think that that's a great idea because that's worked. So uh, that's worked well so far, right? <laughs> well, at times it hasn't, it hasn't, right? I mean, I know. Look, okay, so Carpenter didn't work. And <laughs> what makes you confident in the idea that this team could actually build an offensive line through the draft? With their very first pick of this regime, they selected Russell Okun, and he was a really good left tackle. Yeah. They can do it that again. That was the number six pick. I don't know if you know this, Adam, but we're not, the Seahawks aren't getting a top 10 pick anytime soon. No, but just a first, just a first rounder an offensive lineman would do wonders. Yeah. And that was James Carpenter. Yeah. And who now with the benefit of hindsight, right? <laughs> as far as his first bit of his career was just injured. It wasn't that he wasn't good. He played well with the Jets last year. Let's be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Last year when he wasn't with the Seahawks anymore. Right. Cause he finally was healthy. That's that's tough to it's tough to get on him for that, you know. Okay, so that's so Russell Okun, clearly the best offensive line pick that the Seahawks have have uh, have brought in in the Pete Carroll era. Yeah, unless you want to count Sweezy. Number two, a defensive lineman com- convert in the seventh round. Right, right. And how many swings in the draft have they taken on offensive linemen? You know, rather than this last year, enough. Enough. Yeah. And they have a hit. And that's their two. Those are the two successes. And you're confident that this how team many, can build but, through the draft. But how many of those offensive lineman choices uh, outside of Carp- Carpenter, Moffitt, and Okun were high-level choices? No, none of them. Like, they're, we're all talking fourth-round list. How often do you— Moffitt was a third-rounder. Britt was a second-rounder. Okay, Britt was a second-rounder. But how often do you ever hit on a fourth-round draft pick with offensive linemen? Or, or at any position, you know, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round. Like most of those guys wash out of the league before their first camp's done. So, you know, the idea that they haven't hit late in the draft, yeah, you that's tough to bag them on. But Britt, Moffitt, and, you know, to a degree, Carpenter, you got to look at and say, yeah, I mean, they haven't hit on upper tier offensive line drafting. But then again, when they drafted Britt, all the analysts were like, who the, who, why? You could have got this because they were going after their guy. They, they go into the draft looking for quote unquote Seahawks players, right? Guys that are going to be their guys. And when I mentioned it at the beginning of the show that I had a little bit of criticism, criticism of John Schneider, Mm -hmm. that's part of the reason I, he's Schneider in an, in an interview going back, he said that he's always gotten his guy. That he hasn't, that nobody's taken a guy out from under him. Well, that's great. You, you've gotten your guys. That's that's really cool, and it's worked out really well in some cases. But at the same time, you're kind of saying too that nobody's ever fallen toward you. Like you, you had your, say you've had your eye on a particular guy, and and there's this other guy who's really good. And oh, here 
some other teams would pass on him and he's and he's fallen to you. Now you're going to pass up on a guy who could could be really good, but you you want to make sure you get your guy. Russell Wilson fell to him. He did, but he also got him before everybody else, right? I mean, that was Isn't that how it works for every single pick? Like they fall until you get them before everybody else does? No, because what? they're available. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of how it works, Brandon. Well, <laughs> So that's part of his strategy, right? That he gets him before everybody well, that's else. That's the way it works. But it also means that he's never, he's never, uh, you know, what if he would have waited till the fourth round and, you know, some other team like the Texans would have picked up Russell Wilson? Yeah. Then he wouldn't have gotten, he wouldn't have got him. Right. And the guy wouldn't have fallen to him either. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> You're making this confusing. And I don't like it. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I don't know. I don't know what else you expect him to do. But I'm just saying that there's there's got to be guys that they consider to be good players that have have shown to be good players in the league that have fallen past the Seahawks and they take some guy that didn't Justin work Britt. out like Justin Britt when there was another guy right behind him or Kristen Michael, you know, where where they went and got Kristen Michael with another running back that uh, you know that was behind. I don't know. Anyway. True. His comments just didn't make me feel very good. Well, the offensive line hasn't made us feel good as a whole, and the draft history of the offensive line hasn't made us feel good. Let me just go back and reemphasize this, Adam. Mm -hmm. Our two best offensive linemen, our two most senior offensive linemen, right. were a number six pick, courtesy of Jim Mora Jr. and his year of coaching, right. and a defensive line convert. Those are the two best guys, and they just left. Well, and the other guy that was, you know, kind of an offensive lineman through the uh, on the Super Bowl team, Clint Gresham, they cut him because the salary's too big for a long snapper. Now he's gone. Yeah. Well, I mean, that that's just it. I mean, you can't spend that much on your long snapper, man. Hashtag bring back Boyer. Bring back Boyer. Absolutely. Yeah. Bring him back, boys. But instead, they got this other dude, Ferris. Yeah, he and needs, they cut some other guy. Ferris needs to take a day off. I was here for me. Bring <laughs> bring Boyer back. Bring back bring back Boyer. Yeah, but I I don't know, Brandon. There there doesn't seem to be many answers left except for the draft at this point, right? I mean, I, I, let's talk Jamarcus Webb. Well, let, let's let's start there. That's the big signing. We haven't talked about this. That's signing. the big offensive lineman free agent signing for the Seahawks. Jamarcus Webb, a guy that uh, ranked out, you know, about as well as. I don't know any other Seahawks offensive linemen, so that's good. And and the interesting thing was here in these past couple of weeks was where they're going to actually where they're looking to play these guys, right? Mm -hmm. And and to me that was the biggest piece of information because we weren't quite sure where they were looking at Jamarcus Webb. You know, was he going to be a guard? Was he going to be a tackle? Mm -hmm. It looks like Jamarcus Webb is going to compete at the right tackle position. Uh, it looks like they're looking at moving Gilliam over to the left tackle side mm -hmm. and yeah. competing with Bradley Sowell. Yeah, he doesn't need any stability. We should change it again on him this year. No, Gilliam. exactly. Too easy. Yeah. Yeah. Move these guys around. Mm -hmm. um, I, I kind of like the idea of keeping Britt where he's at because he has had a year of experience in that that <laughs> left guard spot. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, maybe keep him there. And then you have uh, at the at the right guard spot. Um Glowinski. Glowinski. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Who played well in his one appearance of of the season. So that's what that's what you're hanging your that's hat what you're on. You're hanging your hat on. And what everything you've seen in practice, I guess. And look, I looking at his college stuff when he came out, and I remember talking about him when he was drafted this last year. A guy's a a real life offensive lineman. I think Glowinski's gonna be just fine. Yeah, I think he'll be I, right. I think the transition from him from Sweezy to him uh is gonna be much lesser than the transition from uh, Okung to whoever ends up playing left tackle. 
I think that's going to be a bigger downgrade overall. Yeah. So, and then you got to think unless that, they draft a good one. Yeah. I, well, and you hope so. Yeah. At least somebody that's going to compete for that spot. Well, here's one thing that should lift your spirits a little bit, though, with Jamarcus Webb is a couple things to think about. He just came from the Oakland Raiders. Oakland Raiders were rated the number four offensive line this last year. They actually played very well as a unit. And so that, that should give you a little bit of pause there. I mean, his guy off one of the better units in football and they were one of the best. Uh, pass blocking offensive lines in all of football last year. Derek Carr had a pretty clean jersey last year. Uh, he actually rates higher as, uh, per pro football focus as a pass blocker than he does a run blocker. Whoa. Whoa. Uh, yeah. So, whoa. Mind blowing there. <laughs> but, a, but a big guy, I think, uh, I, that's kind of that mid tier guy that you look at and you say, okay, we just needed three more of them. That I, I think has kind of been, our point with this, right, Brandon, as, we, as we've kind of talked over the last week or so. Right. Yeah. No, I, I would have been, I would have felt so much better coming out of this free agency period with another guy at left guard to compete there. You know, if they think Gilliam is, is the, is going to be a guy at left tackle, great. But it would have been nice to see another mid tier guy in that spot to compete with too, knowing that if, if you needed Gilliam on the right side, he could be there, be in a backup role and have, you know, a really solid backup too, because, how often have have Lyman stayed healthy through the year? So, uh, yeah, it's that's an interesting stat though with uh, with him actually being better at pass blocking. Right. I mean, that maybe they're taking into account that they need to protect Russell Wilson a little bit. But then again, they they they, they didn't address anything else in the offensive line so far. So maybe they haven't been thinking about it. I don't know, man. I, I guess. All of us as Seahawks fans probably saw the name Jamarcus Webb go across the screen and was a little disappointed that it wasn't, you know, Kelvin Beecham or, uh, you know, Assemble or any of the other bigger names on the offensive line. But, um, maybe, maybe the answer is if you have to go cheap, but you still need good dudes is to draft your offensive lineman early in the draft. Uh, that way you don't have to pay them that much because they're on that rookie scale, but yet you're still getting elite talent. Like, I, I think that's where we, we are in the process at this point. I think the thing that when I saw Jamarcus Webb, I was disappointed they didn't go after more guys with apostrophes in their first name, mm. you know, like Debrickishaw Ferguson. That and was a guy who's rumored to be available. Uh, maybe Juwan James. Maybe you trade for him. Man. Guys with apostrophes in their first name, I think, Are need solid. to be offensive linemen. Yeah. Well, they clearly should not be quarterbacks, uh, Jamarcus Russell. <laughs> yeah. Well, he could probably play offensive line now. <laughs> yeah, right. He's got he the size for it. He could have played offensive line when he's playing quarterback, man. <laughs> but so, yeah. And then the other signing you mentioned, uh, the big, the bigger name is, uh, or the other big name, Bradley Soul <laughs> from the Cardinals. Yeah. Um, Cardinals fans, uh, not really missing him. Not at all. I'm sure they're not. Uh, and th- this is where the pro football focus ratings get a little fuzzy. They they have them rated like yeah in the sixty seven, which is like sixty seven you know, out of a hundred, yeah, which w- which is decent, yeah, yeah. Whereas it's like on the on the Seahawks grading scale, he would have he would have passed like the class. oh yeah, he's twenty points up on everybody else. Yeah, yeah, he's like setting the curve for the rest of the for the rest of the class. Right, but but he only played thirty three snaps last year yeah. too. So there there's that. He he's not a long term answer at all. He's just a he's just a body. Um, so he's kind of that Alvin Bailey type guy, right? A guy yeah. that can fill in in, in multiple spots, and, yeah. and a guy that apparently can even long snap. Yeah, he's an he's your emergency. That's and that's basically who he is. He's your emergency offensive lineman. Which you you think? 
I mean, those guys are important to have, especially an emergency long snapper. Like, mm-hmm. those guys don't go down very often, but when they do, you go, oh, wow, it's too bad we don't have somebody that can do, uh, somebody else that can do that. Right, right. Well, you know, the, the other things that to improve the offensive line is the idea of improving from within, right? And, that they did spend a little draft capital on offensive linemen last year. Now yeah, you got Terry that, Poole, who might be converting at that right tackle, uh, or might be competing at the right tackle spot. Exactly, and I mean he was a tackle in college. He actually played the offensive line. He's yeah, got the that's size, really cool. Got the size and the strength <laughs> and all that stuff. So I mean, a guy that just you know got hurt last year, he could have been on the same trajectory as say Glowinski. Yeah. And, you know, the guy that they were drafted, you know, closely together. Yeah, same round. So you have those two guys and and then you have uh, Sicoli, uh, another defensive lineman convert. So it's going to take him a little bit more time, but has that athleticism that the Seahawks like. I tell you what, this is my official prediction. Sicoli is going to be your starting left guard. Really? It sounds like they might even like him at center. Yeah, I think they're going to keep Patrick Lewis there. I think he's a good steadying influence. Like yeah. he, he seemed to kind of, it all shifted a little bit when he came in. I think he's a good linchpin kind of guy, a guy that you can count in day in, day out to be a league average center. Yeah. And, uh, I, I think in playing center is just harder than playing the other, you know, positions, even though they don't get paid like it, you know, snapping the ball and then having to take on a, a gnarly D tackle is really hard to do. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I think for Sicoli, a guy that never played, uh, offensive line, it, having him not have to take on all the line calls and all the extra responsibilities and just being able to play guard. Yeah. I think would fit That's a him good start, right? in his super athletic, you know, freaky, being the freaky athlete that he is. I think that fits the best. Yeah. I'd like to see what he can do in preseason because when we saw him last preseason, it was rough. And I'm, I'm not a guy that, that been. actually can judge offensive line. And mm-hmm. so with my eyeballs, if I, if it looks like to me that you're having a hard time, playing it's it's probably really obvious to people who actually know mm-hmm. uh, how many times have you become good at a, a particular thing within three months of doing it, I, it me like never, something but you know people are out there that are good at that stuff that can just pick up an instrument and play it like at a right. really high level really quickly right they're aliens yeah uh, <laughs> but no i they the overall what is it the ten thousand rep thing did before you master oh yeah uh, ten thousand hours yeah ten thousand hours yeah so to, he started to, at zero. For to, the exactly. Line. So to expect, you know, Sicoli to go out there in the preseason to light it up, you know, that's that's a little unfair. I think a whole season of studying and work and sitting with Tom Cable and all that, another full off season. I have a feeling he's going to be starting lever because let's not lie. Still, right now to, at this moment, are the guys that you think of as starting offensive linemen, Justin Britt, you are the weakest link. Goodbye. Well, we'd like to say that, but you know, he's going to be there. You're going to be saying hello to him in week one. Hello, Justin Britt. Welcome back to I don't the starting know. guys. You are the senior member of the Seahawks offensive line. I don't know, man. He's the senior guy. Oh. He's wearing the Letterman's jacket. Yeah, well, he's going to need his it. stuff. He's going to need it to stay warm when he gets cut from the team before the season starts. <laughs> he's not getting cut. You don't know that. Stop that. Kristen Michael was a second round pick. He didn't hang on forever. Yeah, yeah. And he's back. Kristen Michael's back. Yeah. There's another signing. Solid signing. I'm really happy about that. Now, it's, even after that signing, you hear all the experts, oh, Seahawks are thin at running back. Seahawks are, the, Seahawks are thin at running back? Where, where are you getting that? We have Thomas Rawls and Kristen Michael, and you know, you pick up one other dude, and you're not even close to thin. And Bryce Brown, you know, he, he's going to be available. That's my entire to come point. Back anytime. He's a fine third back. Sure. I mean, name that random, you know, veteran that yeah. you can plug in as your third back, and you're fine. 
I, I don't understand the idea that people think that we're going to be drafting running back. I mean, come on now. Because this is a running team, Adam. Yeah, and you have two running backs already. I like that Kristen Michael story. The fact that he was gone and, and were able to work his way back, rushed for, did he rush for over 100 yards or near 100 yards in that game against the Cardinals? Yeah, he, he played well. I mean, he, he's had some flashes since he came back, and it sounded like his attitude had been shifted, and Earl Thomas had some a little bit to do with that, so that's cool. But, yeah, man, I, I don't know. I, I think running back position, we're more or less set. Maybe another undrafted free agent like Thomas Rawls or, you know, some guy off the veteran scrap heap or whatever. So yeah, speaking of other guys on offense, it kind of feels like we're set at wide receiver, right? With Jermaine Curse coming back. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we see just this last week, Paul Richardson and, and Russell Wilson and Tyler Lockett and, and Kevin Smith are all working out together down in Southern California. Mm-hmm. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Baldwin's still there and uh, Jimmy Graham will be back at some point here. I mean, there's there's plenty of weapons uh, yeah. on the offensive side, and uh, that for a running team, it feels like we're set at receiver. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I feel great about the potential pass offense next year, provided that we give our quarterback some time. So our quarterback needs to work on his speed, though. I I feel like apparently he's gotten bigger this off season. Oh, really? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, well, he lost it in a foot race to uh, Tyler Lockett. I don't know if you saw that on Instagram. I did. Not only that, he lost in a foot race to Tyler Lockett when he was wearing sneakers, Russell Wilson, and Tyler Lockett was wearing those stupid Adidas flip flops <laughs> with socks on. Like, it, 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 he's still. Are you? Isn't there a rule that you can't wear socks with those flip flops? You can't wear socks with any sandal. It looks stupid. <laughs> it looks stupid. It looks like you're about ready to retire in an RV park in Arizona. That's what it looks like. You can't. You can't. That's a bad look, man. That's a bad look. But he's, you know, Lockett's young in this league. I mean, look at Russell Wilson and his Super Bowl outfit that uh, from way back when, right? I know, I know. But the thing is, is athletes seem to do this. They seem to wear those Adidas flip flops, and we all know George. We're talking about the black ones with the, black, the one strap yeah. that kind of go across yeah. the top mid of your foot. And Lockett ran right out of those shoes. It, and, well, it's and not still, hard to do. No. <laughs> and but you see, athletes they all wear a lot of them wear socks with those. Man, it's, it's just it. It's a good thing you're a good athlete because that's that's a bad look. <laughs> well, I feel like I probably would too, like around the house, like just because I wear socks around the house, and then oh, I'll put on some flip flops to go outside to take out the trash. That's a whole nother situation. Yeah, that's usually before the rest of your neighbors are awake or after they've long gone to bed, and uh, nobody's going to see you. And if you're an athlete, you have to know that people are watching, right? All like the time. TMZ was probably right around the corner. Yeah. Well, somebody was right there with the camera. Yeah, well, Russell it. Wilson posted it on his own Instagram. Oh, well, maybe Ciara took the video then. That could be. I don't know. All right. So speaking it, of Instagram, we got some Cam Chancellor news. Yeah, let's talk a little Cam. Yeah. Or did you want to talk more offensive line or any any offensive I line? Don't, I, do I want to talk more offensive line? Adam, we've gone half an hour and it hasn't been positive this whole time. I, I want to ask you <laughs> if you wanted to talk about any guys in the draft that you're kind of looking at. Or do we want to save that for the next show? Like just right up to the draft. Let, let's talk offensive linemen in the draft next uh, our next show okay because because you sent me this list adam of of all these players that you liked in the draft and you're like oh here's some offensive line guys here's some defensive line guys and and four of the guys on the offensive line list were defensive linemen and i thought well maybe adam's joking because he thinks that that, the the seahawks all of a sudden are going to draft d lineman in the first and second round to convert Mm -hmm. to offensive line rather than wait till the seventh round 
But uh, no, you just made a mistake. I just made a mistake. I looked at the I looked at the wrong list, all blurry eyed, and well, I might have been drunk, but whatever. Like it, it's it's hard. Sometimes it's hard. All right, so let's talk about Cam because there was some encouraging news there. Like, I mean, it feels like maybe they've sat down and sang Kumbaya or something. Yeah, well, he he Instagrammed a photo saying that I'm not going anywhere. And said, Seattle is my second home. I don't plan on going anywhere unless some higher power placed me elsewhere. And he hashtagged that loyalty, 12s, LOB. And yeah, I, I, it made me think. And, and sounding from hearing, hearing the, the conversations that were going on, coming from the team, coming from Chancellor, it sounded like there was some kind of meeting where they came together and, and worked things out. And cause, I know for us going into this offseason, right, we were kind of blowing out the, maybe blowing it out of proportion, that idea that, you know, Bennett might be getting some more money and how that was going to impact Cam. And if, you know, if he would be able to, well, we talked to Joel Corey about it and saying how that, you know, if that happened, there's no way that would work for Cam. So kind of drumming up some of this drama when it sounds like maybe, maybe everything's cool. Maybe. And it is nice to hear that. No doubt about it. But it does make you wonder what sort of agreement was coming. There was obviously some sort of back room handshake, wink, wink kind of deal where it's like, all right, Cam, one more year. We'll take care of you. You know, blah, 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 blah. You know, we'll look at how we didn't ask Beast for a bunch of money back when we signed him to an extension. We knew he wasn't going to play out. Yeah. You know, blah, 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 blah. We'll take care of you similarly. You know, just be a hawk for life. Be a good hawk. And then when you're done... You know, look at all the guys that have done well, whether that's in the front office or in media mm-hmm. or whatever th- within the organization. We'll get you hooked up. We'll get you with a nice cushy gig. And, you, you know, upon your retirement, you know, it was stuff like that. Yeah. Paul yeah. Allen's yacht has a yacht that's the lifeboat. And, uh, you know, maybe mm-hmm. uh, you know, that's interesting that you bring that up, because when I saw that those good things and those it's mutual is mutual goodness from both sides mutual coming, goodness coming from both sides, I had to think, well, this isn't just a conversation. This sounds like this is you know something's been agreed to. Yeah, because, you know, people tend to feel good when they have more more dollar signs right. uh, around their name. Right. Because or or do you think. That it's a product of Cam feeling feeling guilty about the way he did his boys last Maybe. year. Maybe that could be it too, and that would probably be the more you know legal uh, way to look at it. <laughs> <laughs> but this, this is business. Yeah, yeah. And I could see that too. You know, maybe maybe he he realized that, and, and we don't really know what his gripe was going into this because because there was something that it sounded like he believed there was an agreement upon that didn't happen going into the last season. And that was part of the reason for the holdout, but we don't know exactly what that was. Yeah. There was some sort of misunderstanding there clearly, or, or cam just got an idea in his head about some, a principle of something in, you know, that's the other thing that we'll never know because of the way they handled it in house all the way around, but it seems to have worked itself out in the end. It does seem that way. Um, So that's nice here. Now it'll be interesting to hear if uh, you have the same sort of, uh, sir, like you know, just uh, excitement from Michael Bennett as well. And I'm gonna guess, yes, we'll hear something on his front uh, relatively soon. Mainly because how much have you heard Bennett squawking so far? No, not not really at all. Interestingly, but if you go back last year, it was now. I guess it was around this time when you started seeing him do his media appearances and and talking about how he wanted uh, to be paid like. I forget what his uh, 
what his comments were of how he wanted to be paid like, but yeah, he, I mean, he wanted to be paid more like a premier edge rusher and like he's being paid or yeah, I, I just, I'm trying to think of the exact phrase they used Cause it was really, uh, it was kind of funny. I'm sure it was very Benedict. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, so let's hope that we can go through this off season with a lot less drama. And you've heard Pete kind of talking about it already too, about how this off season already has way less drama than the previous two. Well, and with, with the way last year ended and the way the year before that ended. Well, yeah, that was great. Right. But it's still, it's still a lot of hoopla. You know what I mean? Right. And oh, there's yeah. still a lot of distractions and a lot of, a lot of controversy. There. But the, this time there can't be that kind of finger pointing that I think there, that could have been tough to deal with after last year. There's a little bit of finger pointing. I think Cam not showing up, uh, didn't help really no. anything at all. Uh, but yeah, it's, it feels better. It feels like this, the team chemistry is better, uh, this year than, Man, till maybe halfway through last year? Yeah, you know, last year they had uh, kind of that getaway where they went to Hawaii and they kind of worked all those things out and it kind of seemed good. But still, at the same time, you have to think that I, that that's a, I mean, there's something that we're still not over. And so mm-hmm. to expect players who are actually playing in the game to be over something like that, I, it's got to be hard. It's And... And so now to have gone through a full season and to think, oh, you know, we're just, you know, if we just start that Carolina game a little bit better, you know, that was the team that represented the NFC in the Super Bowl. And, and look how we blew out, uh, the Arizona Cardinals in their house at the, toward the end of the year. That right. could have been us in the Super Bowl against Denver once again. Right. And, uh, because we couldn't, you know, it just, because we couldn't get it together couldn't for half get it together year. for, and, or couldn't get it together in that first half of that game on the road. Yeah, that too. That too. What else did you want to cover here, Brandon? It seemed like there was a few other topics here. Well, speaking of finger pointing, you know, yes. there, there's Bruce Irvin. Um, right. And and saying that the Seahawks held him back. Right. And uh, now that he's with the Raiders, he's he's going to be not held back. Full, fully unleashed. Yeah. Right. right. How, do you, how do you feel about that when you say well, that? Well, it, it does... I, uh, Feel or or what I really thought about it. I guess what I what it felt when I when I heard that was like okay, bro. <laughs> I, I mean, because honestly, look, if the Seahawks had to experiment a fair amount with him through his first year or two to find out really what it was that he excelled at, yeah, and, and to really put him in a position to be a contributing member because he. He did get more sacks early in his career than he had he did eight the, sacks that first year uh, right. as a rookie. You know, just kind of filling in, right? And maybe, maybe he could have been more of a rush end, I guess. But it seemed like that he wasn't going to ever be a premier rush end, and that his athleticism allowed him to do a lot more things. So basically, they held him back by allowing him to do uh, a lot more different things within a defense, you know, actually drop into coverage and, you know, play outside linebacker and rush the passer. That's how they held him back by letting him do all by sorts of expanding his game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I, it's what he wants to do. You, you've heard him in interviews talk about how he'd rather have a sack than a pick six. Yeah. And that's, that seems weird to me. Like as a defender wanting to, I, I you'd want to be in the end zone to me, but that's, he likes rushing the quarterback and that's, that's what he likes to do. So to me, when I saw that, I wasn't surprised. But I thought at the same time, I thought the same thing. Well, he wasn't held back at all. He just he just wasn't any better than Cliff Averill. I mean, yeah. r- because if he were better than Cliff Averill, he would be starting in that spot. Right. Exactly. 
No, that's a great point. And he, he just never lived up to quite that. And uh, so they asked him to do other things. So. A solid player. I, I I hope he does really well for the Raiders. I I think and I think he will. I would have yeah. liked to see Seahaw- like to see the Seahawks be able to keep a player like that. But we talked about it before having that much invested in your linebacker core. Mm-hmm. It's just I mean the salary isn't there, right? Yeah. I mean, you you want to spread that around and and well have a guy, I don't know. Well, you you want to have a guy like Jeremy Lane. Oh, that's fine. You can still right? afford him. Just cut cut a little more out of the offensive line salary. <laughs> There's no more to cut, Adam. Stop it. <laughs> what are you talking about? Yeah, well, yeah, Jamarcus Webb's a luxury item now, right? Yeah. yeah. Don't even need him. <laughs> right. Maybe, can we steal from Social Security next to pay for these guys? <laughs> can we do that? Maybe. Maybe. Okay. Uh, well, the only other things I want to talk about, maybe a couple of those other moves that, that we'd like to see made, right? Uh, Doug Baldwin, we'd like to see him kind of get an extension maybe because mm-hmm. he's in that. He, we talk about players who are in that one year window of the, of their contract, mm-hmm. like Russell Wilson was last year. Doug Baldwin's in that window now. Oh, absolutely. I, I still wouldn't be surprised to see his deal done week 12 of the season yeah or something like that a lot like you heard with kj Wright and sure and cliff averill and you know guys like that so it's not going to be a priority because there's still offensive linemen out there to sign no there's not <laughs> i mean they're out there but we're not going to sign anybody yeah. yeah yeah but there's still other other players you know the um uh, we saw oh who else did we see get re-signed by the Seahawks? See, your guy on the on the defense, Mike Morgan. Uh, Mike Morgan, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, linebacker. Good, good special team signing, a guy that team, filled yep. in for Bruce Irvin mm-hmm. uh, at points last year when Bruce Irvin was out yep. for injury. Yep, and they're saying that he's going to have a chance to compete for that spot with Frank Clark a little bit. Yeah, and uh, so that'll be interesting. Yeah. yeah, Frank Clark and what exactly they do with him. It'll be interesting to see whether or not, you know, he's more of that third down pass rush type player. We talked about it before, how a guy like Bruce Irvin, so talented and, and, uh, you know, well rounded, able to do multiple things. He can be that three down, uh, strong side linebacker and, and maybe they have to use multiple guys to kind of fill in that role going forward. Possibly. I think Frank Clark is expected to be used much like. Bruce Irvin, because he did play a little bit of linebacker in college, yeah. too. So it's something that's in his repertoire. And then also you've seen him bragging about the fact that he's lost a bunch of weight this offseason. Yeah. And, uh, you know, trying to get a little little leaner and a little quicker. Uh, probably ideas to play a little more outside linebacker as well with, you know, rush edge rushing stuff. And you know, Cassius Marsh, I think, is probably your then your third down guy. You know, that comes yeah. in or, or maybe you keep Frank on the field or whatever. But, and then, you know, Mike Morgan in the mix too. But Mike Morgan's never been a, a rush to passer guy. He's much better, you know, in coverage, you know, playing the run a little bit, but he's not, he's not a pass rusher. A guy who's played for Pete Carroll since college. Yeah, right. Yeah. And I think they USC even. guy and yeah, stuck I mean, with Carroll ever since. Yeah. And obviously they knew him in high school because they were recruiting him then. Sure. You know, so. Yeah, that, that's a that's a Pete Carroll lifer right there. But good good depth guy. I'm really excited about uh, that signing. There makes me feel like we're more than set at linebacker. Yeah, no, I I I feel that way too. And you kind of see the way that the Seahawks draft. They they try and draft for need, maybe a year or two out, and with with planning at uh, guys who could possibly leave. So let's talk a little bit about the draft and and what guys we might see go in these first couple rounds, Adam. Because you've been looking at this, you, you've you've nailed it down to some of the guys that the Seahawks that you feel are are Seahawks type players going into this draft, right? Well, I I definitely did, and I'm looking more just at that first pick because I, I think. I think that the idea is is they 
or or maybe the fir- their first couple picks. I think they're going to go with defensive line with their early picks. That that's just my gut feel. I think so too. And when I look at that, then I also wonder too, like, well, now they're going to be going defensive tackle or defensive end because Bruce Irvin leaving, Brandon Meebane leaving. I don't know. Did you? Both. Yes. Yes, both. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like going into this draft, you, you hear guys talk about just how deep this is for a defensive line draft. But you hear guys talk about, too, how there's starting caliber guys within this draft pretty deep into the draft and that's what makes me think that why mess around with guys on the offense if if you hear john schneider talking about how there's not much drop off on offensive linemen uh from you know the early to mid rounds then why why go early on an offensive lineman when you could potentially have a guy that starts for you the next three four years on the defensive line you know a, a a position group that's proven to be much more critical to success of a team and winning Super Bowls, having a good defensive line versus, you know, on the offensive line. And I think that's part of the philosophy, right? That we've seen. That's why they aren't willing to pay guys because it's not part of the, it's not proven to show that offensive line has that much to do. And when you have a quarterback like Russell Wilson, who can get away from those types of, you know, who can save you, uh, why not, why not beef up your defensive line with some guys that can start? Well, part of it is is that the defensive line, that's obviously a position you're willing to spend on. So that's, that's where you're spending money on Michael Bennett, Cliff Averill, uh, some of those guys that you've brought in as free agents. So then you're drafting less on defensive line. And if your goal is to skip on offensive line or skimp on offensive line, then that's where you spend your early draft capital so you, capital, so you have cheap offensive linemen who are very talented. Yeah. Like you think that, but I think you're right about the idea that over the last few years, it seems that having a very dominant defensive line, like the Broncos last year, like the giants of a few years ago, like Seattle, just a couple years ago, that really does bring championships. I mean, mm-hmm. I think it's really is where the NFL is won and lost. I think it's how you neutralize the idea of a team built around like just their QB. And having just wave after wave of talented guys to throw at them. So knowing they're a defensive team, knowing Pete Carroll's mindset, I feel like they're going defensive line. Now the question is defensive end or defensive tackle first? Ooh, first. I, I think that you have to go defensive end first because those guys are going to come off the board a little more quickly. Uh, but at the same time, you know, you went after Frank Clark toward the end of the second round. Um, so maybe with the kind of those measurables that they look at, they see a guy that they like at the end of the second round. I think it could flip flop, but to me, I maybe first round go D end. I, and I agree with that too, because I think the, the idea of getting a pass rusher, that's, uh, that's tough to come by in free agency guys. They're not let go. I mean, look, Von Miller is going to get paid mountains of money. You saw Olivier Vernon just get paid mounts, mountains of money. Now he ended up leaving his team, but that's, the rare thing. You don't want to be in that position. So I think you go defensive end for those pass rushers. And there's uh, a couple guys that I looked at that have similar stats to guys that the Seahawks have drafted for that kind of Leo position. And we're talking Bruce Irvin, Frank Clark, and Cassius Marsh. And one thing that we know is that the Seahawks, like, they're freaky deek athletes. Like, the, the guys that are just more athletic than the majority of the guys out there. And when you look at Bruce Irvin back in the day when when he did his uh his combine numbers, you always ask, you know, what's their elite thing? Like what do they do that's that's super elite? And he was uh in the top five of four categories in the in the 
combine. And there are some of the more important ones when you talk about quick, uh, short area, short area quickness, Adam. I know (laughs) that, but the idea that just that, that quickness, uh, in, in those are things like the broad jump, which kind of measures explosiveness, the three cone drill, which your ability to kind of cut, and then the 20 yard shuttle, which your short areas speed. Yeah. So, see, that's different. <laughs> and uh, you don't have to be different just for the sake of being different. I, I, well, you can sound like all the rest of these guys. I know. There's got to be a better phrase there's for that. There's got to be a Bruce Irvin in this draft. There is. And his name is. A. Shalik Calhoun. So, uh, no, this is just one guy that I think could go relatively early in the draft. He's from uh, Michigan State. He's team captain. Uh, about the same measurables as Bruce Irvin. Actually, a little heavier. He's a little bigger than, than Bruce was. He actually compares a little closer to uh, Frank Clark. Mm. Now, Frank Clark didn't score in the top five in four different categories. He did it in three. Shalik Calhoun, Calhoun is one of those guys. He was in the top of the, the vertical jump. Uh, another measure of explosiveness, three cone drill, drill and 20 yard shuttle. So a guy who's a super duper athlete, a really high character guy. I think a guy that plays that Leo position a little more like Cl- Chris Clemens did mm-hmm. than maybe Bruce Irvin. Interesting. Who, who else do you have, Adam? All right. Well, another guy, uh, and I don't know that this is a guy that you'd have to necessarily draft in the first round. I mean, maybe this is a, a second or third round pick. But uh, Bronson, I, I'm going to screw up his name. Kafusi? Oh, we're going to screw up a lot of these guys. Yeah. Am I even close on that? Bronson Kafusi? I like it. Kafusi. Oh, okay. And I believe he's from BYU. Maybe, maybe Kalfusi. Yeah. But I believe he's from BYU, correct? Yes. Yes. And uh, another one of those kind of Seahawks kind of players, you know, kind of like how Tyler Lockett, his dad played in the NFL and all that. The, this guy, Bronson, his, uh, his dad is a coach, I guess, is, is very uh, upfront with his son about what he needs to do and how he can do things better. But uh, a really good player uh, for BYU, and he has some size, 6'6", 285. So a guy that's maybe more like Mike Bennett that could still kind of flip-flop inside and outside. Yeah, uh, he's a guy that's listed as a defensive tackle, 25 years old, and, and that was the thing that stood out to me, a 6'6 guy, you know, 285, and and a lot of those high athleticism-type rankings that the Seahawks look for. Yeah, and had the same exact scores in the three-cone and the 20-yard shuttle as Frank Clark, So and, and he you know, performed in the top five for his position group there as well. So that that's a guy that I think it could be very interesting and a guy that it just kind of feels like a Seahawks sort of dude. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, uh, kind of last guy from the defensive end, and this would be a late round pick, maybe even an undrafted guy, uh, a, a kid named Alex McAllister uh, comes from uh, Miami and a guy, a kid that uh, has had some problems staying on the team. Um, mm, but interesting. He, he's kind of a one of those lanky, lean uh, guys. He's, he's kind of built more like Bruce Irvin was but is extremely explosive, uh, had some good sack numbers in college and, and really showed some, some major burst, um, but again, some character issues. So maybe a guy that you look at later in the draft. Oh, yeah, because here looking at the spark ratings, uh, Alex McAllister was a guy who, who had a spark rating higher than Joey Bosa of Ohio State, kind of the guy that's seen as maybe a top five Certainly mm-hmm. top 10 pick for a defensive end. Yeah, he was talk number one at the beginning of the draft process, right? Everybody's like, oh, yeah, Joey Bosa, slam dunk, right? Oh, he was number one in his own mind, too, I think. Right. <laughs> so, um, But those are guys that, that compare favorably to other Seahawks draft picks for that position. Um, the kind of guys that, that all have similar numbers. But, and- yeah, you talk about lean. I mean... Uh, 
Bosa weighs out at 269, this guy 239. Yeah. And definitely a guy that, and I think Irvin was heavier than that coming to the league. 245. Too, but, okay. So, you know, six pounds, but yeah. oh, you know, a hair shorter much. though, too. Yeah. But, you know, the one thing I like about McAllister is he has long lovers. Long levers, long, short area quickness. Long levers. That's my that's my new favorite draft term is long levers. Long, and what is that, arms? Yeah. <laughs> Just say arms. No, no, he's got really long arms. No, no, no. He has long levers. 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 Yes. Wait, who came up with that? As somebody who doesn't like saying arms. Ridiculous. <laughs> Did we talk about that on the last pod? No, I don't think we did. Oh, because I just can't. I can't. This was going to be my do better, but I just can't. I heard that. You couldn't wait that long. No, I read. I read through the, some of these draft reports. They're like, oh, and he has long lovers. It's like it's like Mel Kiper, uh, McShay, uh, Mayock. You know, all these guys like get together in Hawaii, like before or right after the draft each year, and they're like, okay, what's going to be the new buzzword? The new buzzword yeah. for for the draft next year, uh-huh. and yeah, that's what they do. And this year is long freaking lovers. <laughs> Long levers. He has long arms. Long arms. Just say long arms. He's not. He's not. He's not a machine. Long levers. Ridiculous. So who else do we do we want to talk about on the uh, among these guys? Well, uh, to me, well, you, you talk about interior defensive mm-hmm. linemen, and one of the guys that uh, that you had on your list, Kenny Clark. Yeah. Um, one of the guys where I think was seen uh, or could be seen as a replacement for Brandon Meebane, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. Kind of yeah. has that size. And when I looked at these guys, and I, I like to try and find out, you know, what kind of what kind of things they've overcome in life. Mm-hmm. And when I looked at Kenny Clark's story, it was a guy who who was all about overcoming adversity. You know, his dad went to jail when when Kenny was just nine years old, and he became kind of the man of the house. Um, one of the quotes where where Kenny was saying, uh, it, "It just put me in a position to be a man and grow up fast." And not having my dad there those years, it, it put me in a position to grow faster, be a man, hold myself accountable, know what I had to do to push my brothers and sisters to be great and to do something. Wow! And when I when I read something like that, I thought, "Oh, this is this is a guy who's he, you know." He has that self motivation, yeah, to to push himself to where he needs to be. Which, when you look at guys that that are going to be successful in in the NFL, like, look at the Enkem Diche guy that or Kim Diche, however you pronounce his name, mm-hmm. the guy that fell off a balcony after smoking synthetic marijuana. Yep, um, that's a guy where I see that story and I go, well, maybe this guy isn't as committed to football as as maybe some of these other guys. And when I read a story like Kenny Clark's, I think here's a guy who's actually committed to to be better and be a good player. Yeah, and that's an interesting thing to bring up because how many times have you heard uh, MDHK uh, name brought up? I, I'll butcher his name until I need to really know it. But uh, but how many times have you seen his name pop up as somebody that the Seahawks would – because he's going to slide in the draft and rah, He's going to slide in the draft and because he has the incredible athletic ability. And that's what – you know, it's great that people are now in tune with the idea that, that C- the Seahawks like athletic guys, but they're also not going to take a swing on a guy that isn't, um, you know, they want guys that they know are going to, that are going to love football, that love football. Right. Yeah. And I don't know that smoking synthetic marijuana means you don't love football. No, it doesn't. But I mean, look, as far as uh, the idea that, was he busted twice then for marijuana use or just the once? I think Maybe. it's just the once. Could and, be. I mean, at that point, that's when they start doing that due diligence stuff. And we talked about Frank Clark's pick at nauseum last year. I mean, I, I see it making sense to some degree. Yeah. But when you read that in comparison to a guy like Kenny Clark, 
What what guy feels more like uh, John Schneider's type of guy? Yeah, a guy that will overcome adversity versus you know just a guy who is who is really athletic and. Yeah, you know, maybe if if he does, Kim Diche falls that far. Maybe the Seahawks mm-hmm. do take him, but at the same time, it just it it's it's a guy who uh, throughout college, you know, he was that five star recruit coming into college mm-hmm. and underachieved, and that doesn't seem like a guy that the that the Seahawks are willing to take a guy who's already underachieved. They want a guy that's that's going to you know has potential, mm-hmm. but is, is just starting to show it. Yeah, and and here's a guy that his measurables actually look. Uh, very similar to Brandon Mebane's coming out uh, when he came out in the draft. And in fact, are even better in some aspects. I mean, uh, his 40 times a little quicker, but whatever. When that comes to D tackles, I don't really care about that. But bench press, I mean, he ended up with 29 uh, benches of 220, whereas uh, 24 for Mebane. And uh, his his vertical was was higher. His uh, broad jump was longer. Like I mean, his twenty twenty yard or his twenty yard shuttle was faster. This is a guy with uh, all the same skill sets that Mebane brought to the team, and roughly the same size at six three three fourteen. I mean, this is a guy that could really play in the middle, and somebody that I, I feel like the Seahawks will definitely take a look at. Yeah, and when so when you asked me if I think they'll go defensive end first or defensive tackle. I have to. I feel like if this guy is there at for a defensive tackle toward the end of the first round, that that maybe this is the guy you go out and get. Maybe, maybe. Uh, but then again, maybe they'll go O line. I don't know. <laughs> maybe. Uh, but another guy that kind of stood out to me just because he was a top performer in a number of different uh, uh, accounts was Dean Lowry. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I from Northwestern. I honestly don't know a ton about him other than just looking at. You know, some of his measurables and, and things like that, but, um, kind of labeled more as like the, the guy that has a, a lot of try in him. Mm-hmm. It, you know, a lot of no quit. And that's something that you see that the Seahawks really value, uh, in their guys. And again, uh, measurables, uh, very similar to Jay Howard when, uh, mm-hmm. he came out. So, okay. uh, kind of, kind of in that same, same mold that yeah way. when i saw him i thought maybe he would be you know kind of projecting down the road if, if they see him or if they see jordan hill as a guy that maybe is on the way out the door mm-hmm. that would kind of fill in t- uh falling behind jordan hill right yeah right and uh so you know these are just a couple guys that kind of match up with uh some of the same numbers that the seahawks have looked at before when it comes to dean lyman now what about vernon butler was he one of these guys you wanted to talk about too yeah, I ri- I'd you written him down. Fall that, that fall that far into the Seahawks? I, I had written him down, and I can't remember anything about him other than uh, just a couple things. Like he's six four and three twenty three. Uh-huh. That, that's big. I like that. <laughs> um, but uh, kind of more, kind of more in the the Taba Rubin uh, category yeah. a little bit. I mean, built a little more like that. The only thing I when I was reading about him, I, I don't like hearing things like uh, when it says guys haven't done much but has big upside. You know, yeah. kind of in that Kim Diche mm-hmm. uh, conversation too. A yeah. guy who hasn't done much but has a lot of upside based off right. of his a- athleticism. Right. It seems like those are the guys that never work out in the NFL. It's just mm-hmm. the guys that go, everybody's like fascinated by but they they haven't really proven anything well, I, i've never done anything but i have a ton of upside <laughs> and i do. can tell you, you one have thing a ton of upside. i've never done squat in the nfl <laughs> <laughs> so yeah your theory holds true your theory, so, that, theory holds true did you see that comment by uh um trent richardson that says it's easy to get lazy in the nfl i know and I, dude dude 
just it's, it's easy to get lazy in in life. Yeah, I <laughs> it's mean, it's not just the NFL. Yeah, you start cashing checks, and sure, yeah, I, I suppose it was easy to get lazy. But I mean, did you think the checks would just come forever? Yeah, no. But I mean, he's he's got enough checks. And I mean, and at this point, look, I, I, I don't he, I don't need money to feel like I need to be lazy every once in a while. Either. No, I know I can. I'll do that for free. Yeah. <laughs> I, that's been proven. It's yeah. the easiest thing to do. It's it's proven to be one of the easiest. Yes, that's why it's exactly being lazy. Yeah, and, and it's the hardest thing to put off being lazy. <laughs> like it, it's you're not you can't ever really put it off. I, I like to pencil my laziness into the on the calendar. You know, on my iPhone. You know, just go. What do I have to do today? Be lazy. Yeah, no, but that that's literally like my ex-wife, but she's like got like seven minutes planned in to be lazy, you know, in between doing the dishes and, uh, you know, which is like highlighted in blue on her calendar yeah. and then, uh, you know, ironing laundry, which is like highlighted in yellow because it's all color coded. Oh, interesting. Yeah. That is, she doesn't sound lazy at all. Oh, no, she has seven minutes to be lazy, Brandon, because <laughs> okay. she's going to schedule that in. <laughs> yeah. Very nice. It takes all types. All right, man. Well, there's a, some D linemen. Uh, we'll get into some offensive linemen. I, I want to talk about Jason Spriggs uh, next time we talk because he. This is an interesting O line pick to me. That seems like the guy to me. I mean, he has very. He looks just like Sokoli as far as his athletic freakiness. But he actually played on the offensive yeah, line, and he played well. <laughs> like so, I, we'll talk about him. Yeah, that was a guy that before I kind of started watching anybody else's mock drafts and stuff was a name that stuck out to me. And I've seen start to pop up towards the end of the first round, which coincidentally is where we pick. <laughs> that would be that would be weird, though, to pick a guy and not reach for him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that would be weird. But I don't know. So we'll see. But we'll get it. We'll get more into O-line next show. All right. Well, with that said, I think this is a good time to take a break, Adam. So we'll come back, talk some do better, bear our life. We got a couple emails and uh, and much more. A couple new patrons. Yeah. So yeah. We'll get into it. Thanks. And we're back. The Seahawkers podcast is the official podcast of the official booster club of the Seattle Seahawks. Adam Emmert and I, inaugural members of the Montana Seahawkers. Maybe not technically. I don't think we paid dues yet, but uh, we're going to be. Oh, absolutely. Be yeah. Are we supposed to do that yet? Is it time to pay dues? I don't know if it's time yet. I think it's okay. getting close. Okay, cool. We'll get there. Yeah. I know we'll... We'll make it happen. We'll figure it out. Once, once it's time. But uh, yeah, that means that, Adam, you and I, we're going to be shooting for going to the annual Seahawkers uh, banquet yeah. coming up toward, I think it's the weekend right before Memorial Day. So make a trek out to see. Seattle, be mm -hmm. there, be our first time being at one of those things. That'll be cool. That will be cool. And I look forward to meeting a bunch of other folks uh, that are member of the Seahawkers and, yeah. you know, kind of share the share the addiction. I know. That'll be good. In the off season, I think that's important. Plus, that's a great time to get on the road. Because we're going through withdrawals as Seahawks fans. Yeah. At no, this it's, point. it's tough. It's real, real tough. There's no football. Uh we have baseball season coming up, which I'll that, get into for my better life. That doesn't that doesn't do anything for me. <laughs> the baseball season. I, I'm going to talk about why okay. for me too. All right, cool. But uh, we got some emails, and uh, we have some new members of our of our Patreon uh, subscribers. So welcome to the flock, to Leanne Price. Mm -hmm. uh, Adam and I, I think, both did a double take when we saw uh, your name, Leanne, uh, because we went to school with a Deanne Price. Uh, 
you're not her? No, no, not her. Which, I don't uh, think. No, I don't think so. Not unless you, you've changed it for some unexplicable reason. But. Change your first name for yeah. anonymity. But no, but we appreciate it very much. Definitely. Uh, so Leanne, welcome to the flock. And also TJ Hall yeah. uh, signed up as well. So uh, thank you. Welcome to the flock. And we have a new web address get in the flock.com uh you can go there to sign up through patreon to get some of our bonus shows that mm-hmm. we're putting out here this off season and, and we'll put out through the the regular season as well but yeah get in the flock.com yes much easier so you can get on there if the show adds a little value to your life uh you can go on there and donate like a buck a month or something if you feel so inclined if not keep listening for free enjoy yeah, it's cool <laughs> um and that's that's what we're here for yeah. um one of the things though uh that was kind of funny to me adam is we we posted and i guess it's been a while since we had our the photo of us yeah up on the facebook that's an old page. picture too. facebook.com slash seahawkers podcast yeah i guess it's a couple years old now yeah I, i'm a maybe a little you know people said we're surprised to, to see that we weren't fat right. um and uh, uh yeah i maybe you know that may that might have been me 15 pounds ago or so so you know. <laughs> 15, 15 pounds less or more? Oh, 15 pounds ago. So in, in the in the rearview mirror. So yeah, I, I put on a little more. Oh, you put on more. Okay. I think so. All right. Well, I don't know, man. I haven't been Although tracking the beard kind of does add a li- uh, some poundage too. That I was much more trim. The beard uh, with the beard. Well, when you let picture. the beard go wild, Brandon, it helps to cover up the extra poundage too. <laughs> that's a good point. That's the way that works. Yeah. Notice any any dude that's getting fatter, his beard's getting fatter too. <laughs> Like, well, then the, you, you trim the sides of your beard really, really uh, nicely, and then you grow it long. It makes your face look a whole lot longer. A whole lot longer. That's and, how and, you and do it. wider. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. A good, it's a good, uh, it's a life hack. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's, that's what it is right there. Yeah, no, but uh, funny comments. Yeah, thinking that, uh, surprised that, uh, Brandon, you were not fat, and then also surprised that you were not tall and skinny. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, I like that, that that it diverged in that way. Right. Really interesting. I, I just, I found it interesting that you got so many comments about your weight though too well both sure. ways too yeah both ways yeah uh, if it's gonna go yeah, are you in the not? goldilocks zone then is that what you are maybe if you're maybe right in the middle just right you're just right yeah. there you go yeah i'll take that yeah well we got some emails adam uh we got one here from christopher perez says hey guys i have a question for you uh it's the last play of the game seattle is down by five russ and the hawks have no choice but to throw up a hail mary pass and pray so, in your opinion, who would you guys want to be there to catch the ball? Me, personally, I think either Curse or Ricardo Lockett, uh, if he plays again. I say Ricardo because his catch last season in the end zone, he jumped over the back of the defender and snatched the ball. Uh, he said he wasn't sure what game it was, maybe the Cowboys, but uh, and he says thanks for the awesome podcast. It always makes my work days go by much smoother. And with that, there's only one thing left to say. Go Hawks! Nice, Thanks, nice. Christopher. Who, yeah, Christopher, good email. Uh, I guess my answer might be on the boring end because it probably seems a little obvious. Jimmy freaking Graham. <laughs> like, that's what you brought him here for. I mean, he's your monster, monster guy. And think of it in these terms, too. Who was the guy that came down with two of Aaron Rodgers' big Harold Marys uh, this, this last year? Just tight end. Yeah. It's the big body. You box out. It's that whole basketball analogy that you always hear with the great pass catching tight ends. That's who Jimmy Graham is. That that's where that's who you're thinking is gonna come up with the ball. But 
the sneaky dark horse is Doug Baldwin mm-hmm. because Doug Baldwin has mad hops. He has underrated vertical leap. That is something that a lot of people don't think about. He's a guy that can go up and snatch it out of the air. The third choice is a guy no longer on the roster, but he was the best out of uh, jumping up for uh, Hail Mary passes and even catching it if he didn't catch it, and that's Golden Tate. That's true, yeah. <laughs> he totally caught it, though. Yeah. Um, Even without catching it, he still caught it. still caught it. Yeah. But yeah, well, and, and you think curse, right, because of those big play-type catches, but none of those have been Hail Marys, right? No, that's not his thing. He's not a he's not a high riser. He doesn't really high-point the ball. No. I mean, he's but just... But he's the clutch guy. He's the clutch guy that comes up with kind of that wacky play at the exact right time, and... Uh, Really good in traffic. I mean, that's kind of more Jermaine Curse's deal, which I guess maybe on a Hail Mary, it's everybody bunched up. But yeah, man, I think uh, Jimmy Graham. I think it's Jimmy Graham and the the Sneaky Dark Horse, Doug Baldwin. Yeah. Graham needs to get healthy. We need him back. He'll get healthy. He'll be fine. I I hope so. I don't know. Have you always said that he'll be fine? No. (laughs) This is the first time I've said he'll be fine because he's going to be fine. Okay. Yeah. Got to believe, Brandon. That's true. Send yeah. the send the positive uh, brain waves uh, exactly toward right. Jimmy Graham. You know why I don't get sick, Brandon? What's that? Because I never get sick. <laughs> I don't get sick. Yeah, I don't believe in it. It's a waste of time. I that's a good thing to not believe in. Because mm-hmm. it's just a waste of time. I don't believe it. I don't do it. That's a good idea. Yeah, it really works. There's another life hack. This is full. Of, this yeah. episode's full of them. Yeah, because think about it with the placebo effect. Like all those studies and people getting well just because they're given a pill, even when they know it's a placebo. Oh yeah, like it's still they still get better. You just gotta believe. So oh. that's why I just I just don't I I believe in not getting sick. I I believe I don't do it. The the placebo effect totally works on my middle daughter. By the way, it's, it's, <laughs> are you mad scientific here, girl? Oh no. Well, yeah. so she bedtime the other night. She's crying about her uh, her hands being dry and itchy, mm. and and how she needed medicine. Yeah. Well, I went over to the lotion bottle. You know, pumped out a little squirt of lotion. I said, I, "Look, I have this little bit of medicine that I can put on there. Yeah. And and I it'll work. Okay. Right. Th- this is going to work, and and you'll be yeah. able to fall asleep. Put the lotion on her hand. She was quiet. Went right to sleep. Well. Just in fairness to your daughter, I mean, isn't lotion like dry skin medicine? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> like, isn't that what that is by definition? But if I told her I was putting on lotion, she'd be like, this isn't going to work. But oh. I told her it was medicine. So basically you said it was magic lotion. Well, <laughs> <laughs> it was medicine. Yeah. Well, placebo effect. As long as it worked. It worked. Because it was supposed to work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I'll, and I'll that's, tell not, that's not like rubbing her hands with a sugar cube that shouldn't help at all. Like, and she totally believes it. Like, you actually use something that's applicable for the job. Well, <laughs> that's part of it too. Well, it's like if you have a sore throat, you know, you just you you, you uh, fill like a bottle of water. Mm-hmm. You tell her you mixed in a little bit of medicine with the water, uh, and you know, yeah, know, yeah. Now your throat feels better, and you're just drinking plain See, water. Now that's a more placebo effect, is it? Because yeah. water can help a sore throat too. Or dry throat. Don't bother me with your your facts, logic, and reason. I don't care anymore. We should get moving on. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Ben in Bakersfield, California says, thank you for podcasting. I've been listening for two years. Keep up the good work. Thanks for listening, man. Yeah. So thanks to Ben. Oh, nice. Well, thanks, Ben. I I do appreciate that. Two years. Man, that's longer than anybody ever sticks with me. (laughs) (laughs) You keep coming back to this. I I feel like we need to have a conversation off air. Those are just fun jokes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what do you say we get into uh, some do better and better at life? Okay. All right. Uh, who you got for do better? Um, I do better. I've been holding on to this one for a while, Adam. Mm-hmm. I, it, this goes back to when Peyton Manning uh, retired. <laughs> I'm what I, I, I have, uh, I kind of missed, you know, when the Steve Largent, a football life came out. 
Mm-hmm. I, I caught the the bits that were on the internet, but I missed it yeah. when it happened. Right when it, because I I think I was going through the airport somewhere when when it was actually airing, and then they I don't think they even aired it on repeat for the longest time. Yeah, I mean, I had a hard time ever catching. I've I still have yet to catch the full thing, and yeah. I've like looked. I've seen the clips online. Me too. And and so I saw it. They I saw the the promos for the football life uh, marathon that we're gonna do. And for one thing, this is where I was so upset because when I saw it, I'm like, oh yeah, the Steve Largent was gonna be on. What they put him on at midnight, right? And so it's like, oh well, okay, well it's a Seahawks one, you know. Maybe most people don't care, but I'm so I'm gonna record it. So I set mm-hmm. I set my DVR to record the Steve Largent of football life. This is important, and and it sat there for a little while until it was uh, it was my my oldest daughter's birthday. And my my youngest daughter, you know, was ready to fall out and nap, and and so I I went into the other room, click her on, clicked it on, and you would not believe what came up, and, and so I. The beginning of it is talking about Peyton Manning retiring, you know, like the and and I'm thinking, OK, well, you know how they play those the little fill in reports the little, at the, the desk right, like right before their feature right before the feature show. Right. Right. And and so that's what they're talking about. Yeah, was, they give you a two minute rundown on right. the hot topic. So I, I'm fast forwarding. I'm fast forwarding through the Peyton Manning retirement. Yes, because I know he's retired. It's and it's been, mm-hmm. you know, all day. And he had a good career. He had a, he had a great career. Yeah. And as I'm fast forwarding, I'm all of a sudden I'm 10 minutes into the show and I'm going, if they, if they cut off, if they don't, if I don't get to see the beginning of the show because of a Peyton Manning retirement story I that's going along for 10 minutes, I'd have lost my catfish. <laughs> I, I was thinking the same thing. Yeah. And I kept fast forwarding at them. They, it was an entire hour rerun of the Peyton Manning special that had aired earlier in the day. Oh my God. They did a rerun of Peyton Manning's retirement over the entire scheduled football life for Steve Largent. I was so, so pissed. I, and rightfully so, Brandon. The one that I've been waiting for and recorded. The only thing, the only thing that made it better was that. I I happened to look in the guide at the exact same time, and the show was starting at the at that oh, exact wow. time. Wow! And this was this was about a week after I had recorded it. Not and cool now it was like three o'clock in the afternoon, right? And and here it was live. You're like, oh. watch it. <laughs> yeah. like, hurry up and click so, to it. And then I clicked to it, and and I did. I ca- I caught the beginning. You know the messed up thing. They started. They started the Steve Largent of football life. With the Malcolm Butler play. Can you believe that? Catfish! Do you NFL <laughs> Network? Not every Seahawks highlight has to start with the play that should not be named. <laughs> right? Can we, like, I understand, I understand, like, doing it for that first year, but did Steve Largent play on the Seattle team well, that it, was in the Super Bowl that so year? So it was talking about how Steve Largent was still kind of affected by that play, which, I mean, if you're going to talk about it, I, I guess, but that's a that's a stupid way to try to bring that in yet again. I know, I know. I, I was pissed. God. So NFL Network, yeah, do better, do better. Man, that's a that's brutal, man. Oh, for freaking that Peyton Manning love fest, man. Like that, I was- couldn't believe it. it was midnight. It was a midnight rerun over the top of football life. How do you run a rerun of a special? 
on Peyton Manning's retirement when they had talked about it that whole day. And that's the time slot that they choose to rerun it. It's it's ridiculous. It's, like, it's just, just it's such an f u to Seahawks fans. It is. That's what. It, that's exactly how I felt. Yeah, and just leave it to Peyton Manning to ruin one more little thing for you before right. he rides off into the sunset. Him and his they were so forehead. lucky. I was I was gonna write a letter, a full one, yeah, <laughs> like a real <laughs> handwritten letter to the NFL. But then I turned it and then can you, it just can happened you still to be send on. those? I I don't know. I would have tried. Oh okay. Do you have to buy like a carrier pigeon, or do you like? Can you still? I, I don't know anymore. I okay. mean, do they do Western Union? Is that a thing? Uh, maybe. I, yeah. <laughs> a telegram. Yeah. Apparently, that's how the state of Montana works with title transfers. It takes it a year to freaking go go through. That was an interesting story. Yeah. No. There's some do better in there. There's some do better in there too. Yes. All right. Uh, well, my do better. Man, maybe it should be the state of Montana. I just bringing that back up. Almost had my house auctioned off. <laughs> catfish. God. All because they, it takes their catfish here to to update. Just unbelievable. All right, but my real do better. Latest mock draft from Todd McShay. And this was a little while ago. This was uh, three, four days this ago. This was version 10 uh, of Todd McShay's yeah. mock draft. It, exactly. And we all know how I feel about mock drafts. <laughs> like, I just, I, I I can't stand them so much that it just, I can barely. But, of course, I clicked on the freaking headline. Well, you have to. Right. Because they're so alluring. Because then I know exactly who Seattle won't pick. <laughs> <laughs> like that'll just cross some names off. And to start out with, he talks about their first round pick at number 26. And he projected that, uh, he was going to take a, a lineman from now granted a defensive lineman, but a lineman from Alabama and with their first pick in the draft. Oh, I think they were back to back Alabama guys, weren't they? They were. And if we all know anything about picking linemen from Alabama, that has not worked out well for the Seahawks, no. whether that was Carpenter on the offensive line side or uh, Jesse Williams on the defensive line yeah. side. And now they're going to pick another one at 26? Probably not, McShay. Alabama's you're, off the board. You're really, <laughs> you're really tuned in to what's going on in, in Seahawksville. And then, and then he says that with their second round pick, he sees them drafting their running back, Derrick Henry, yeah. with a second-round pick. And you already have Thomas Rawls and Kristen Michael, and they're going to waste a second-round pick on a guy who's going to be a gigantic NFL bust? I don't think so. Have you watched him run? That guy needs that guy needs a, a runway the size of Texas before he can get up to speed. I mean, he has... You know what he has very little of, Brandon? Short area quickness. <laughs> he has very little of it. He's not going to be good at... So, basically, Tom McShay took two things that we know the Seahawks won't do specifically and projected it in his latest mock draft. Todd McShay, do better. Well, you know, there's one thing that's really important for a running back to have, Adam. Mm. Short area quickness. Short area quickness. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Well, what do you say we get into some better at life? You know, before we do get into better at life, mm -hmm. we haven't talked about Richard Sherman. Really? Well, actually, the whole show. You're right. That's we eat Girl Scout cookies. As we do the <laughs> we're show. crushing some Girl Scout cookies right now. No, Samoas are the best, dude. <laughs> it's the only reason my girls are in Girl Scouts, by the way. In the right one. Because that way we don't miss Girl Scout cookie season at all. That's exactly right. Like, we don't, we, we didn't do any door to door selling stuff, which, you know, if anybody from Girl Scouts is listening, like, we'd be in like super big trouble probably. We like, we just call up our friends and be like, hey, it's Girl Scout cookie time. Like, what do you want? Isn't that how it's done? I don't know. Apparently, some girls go door to door and sell it too. 
Wow. I know. They're ambitious. <laughs> Apparently. Maybe they want to be a Kirby salesman when they grow up. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. But so we, we did have the uh, the lead on the Girl Scout cookies. But And to be fair, you didn't call me. You texted me and said, how many boxes and what kind? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Well, I knew. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Samoas and Thin Mints, which are the only go-to cookies. I yeah. Mean, yeah, exactly. Samoas for me, Thin Mints for the kid. I got so burnt out on the, uh, on the shortbread cookies in the Navy because that was mm-hmm. all we got. When I, when I was in the that's Navy, that's what's left over. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they're not not a, at least they're not ones with like the oatmeal. They're ones. not the lemon ones. Yeah, those ones aren't that good. I, I mean, mean, I like lemon. Me too. They're good in a short burst. Yeah, but you know, a box of them. You can. I I will say that while I was in the Navy, I could crush an entire box of shortbread cookies. But oh yeah, uh, yeah, not with the lemon. No, not with a lemon. You couldn't do it. No. Your tongue would be raw by half <laughs> halfway through the box. Exactly. Yeah. But Richard Sherman. Yes. I, he came out here recently called Goodell just a suit. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in, it was uh, with these rule changes. It's specifically the rule change of players getting ejected after two, uh, not personal fouls, but uh, unsportsmanlike conduct penalties. Right. And... You know, the idea that they would that they would put it and the rule ended up getting passed, right? Mm-hmm. That two unsport two unsportsmanlike conduct penalties and you're automatically ejected. Yeah, exactly. I don't know that that's a bad rule, to be honest, but Sherman doesn't like it. Well, I don't know if I like it either in a sense, but I didn't like the way Sherman went about it. I, I don't like, you know, just going after personal attacks on Roger Goodell because to me I you talk about the merits of why it's a bad idea rather than just attacking the commissioner, right? Because it's you can say, well, because one of the big uh, reasons why people are against it now is people are saying, well, as soon as one guy, as soon as a guy gets one unsportsmanlike conduct penalty, he's going to be targeted by the other guys, you know, just with the kind of that goon mentality that's in the NHL, to right? To try to egg him into try and egg him into another unsportsmanlike conduct so penalty. So, my, my only question to that is, is once you know a dude's hot, yeah, and he gets an unsportsmanlike penalty, what are those guys doing? They're trying to push his buttons for the rest of the game too. Like, I mean, they, it doesn't matter whether the rules are or not. You get an unsportsmanlike penalty on you, there's going to be people up in your face trying to get you to get do another one, whether the rules are or not. Because they know that you can, they've hooked you once already. They can yeah. probably hook you again, right? Yeah, I'll take as many free 15 yards as you'd like to give me. Thank you very much. And that that's just it. It's like when uh, Reggie Miller played John Starks in the NBA. Like, he just knew that, like, if all he had to do was get under his skin once, and he would blow up, and he'd be ineffective the rest of the game. So... I don't know that the rule makes it so people be more inclined to do that. Yeah, it just seemed to me that there was a better way to go about attacking uh, that. If you don't like it as a player and a, a big part of the players union now uh, being voted among the the top uh, committee guys, I don't know right. what their chairs or you know whatever mm-hmm. they are, but um, he's one of those guys. Right. And to me to come out and say, oh, well, you know, Roger Goodell, well, just a I, suit. Let me ask you a question, though. Does Does Richard Sherman ever do anything that isn't calculated? I I think like in a situation like this, like maybe the maybe the Crabtree comment, not yeah. calculated, but everything else, like he's a pretty calculated guy. Am I not? I mean, yeah. I well, I I would expect him to be. Yeah. Okay. Now, do you think he really cares that much about this ejection rule? Do you think it really gets yeah, under his maybe. skin? 
I don't know that he really does. I think this is He just him. saw it as a shot today. <laughs> he could take a shot at Goodell. If you're one of the higher ups in the NFLPA, like he is, and you know that he's obviously going to be gunning to be the president at some yeah. point, yeah. how do you build your repertoire as being a guy who will be tough against the commissioner? Yeah. Is by putting your name out there and ripping the commissioner every chance you get. That's all he's doing. He's just positioning. Yeah. He's playing politics. Okay. He's playing politics. Well, I'm glad we talked about that because you offered a, a new perspective for me. Well, yeah. I mean, because he's just not a dumb guy. He's not just going to do something stupid just for the sake of doing something stupid. Like, he's not he's not uh, Adam Jones. Sure. You know. Pac-Man. Either way. Yeah. Yeah. That guy. Yeah. I, I think Adam Jones and I think the Mariners outfield are still for whatever reason. Oh, well, I guess that's probably fair. They got traded fair. to Baltimore. Yeah, that's fair. You know, yeah. the, 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 the good one guy, of the good ones. The good Adam Jones. Yeah. That's how you do that. <laughs> Well, speaking of baseball, uh, end of my better at life, okay. and uh, my better at life this week is Bryce Harper. And oh, uh, for saying what I feel about baseball, Adam, uh, you know, there, there's this code to baseball, apparently, that doesn't allow players to exhibit emotion. You know, like the you can't flip your bat right after you hit a home run, right. or, or you can't shoot arrows into the sky after a big uh, uh, close, you know, like uh, How dare you? Rodney. How used dare to do. you? Yeah. And... To me, there's this big argument in baseball now because Bryce Harper is on the side of I should be able to flip my bat and do you know and watch my watch my home run that I just knocked out of the park. I, I should be able to show emotion and character mm-hmm. and do these types of yeah. things and not and not get, have the stigma that I'm somehow disrespecting the game of baseball, right? And not catch a fastball in between the shoulder blades the next time I'm up, right? Yeah, and it's. The reason why I like those types of things, you know, the the pitcher who will stare down a batter after striking him out, you know, like right. staring like him down, walking all the way back to the dugout. Pedro was huge with that. I love those guys because yeah. these are guys that are showing emotion. That's one of the reasons why we like Ken Griffey Jr., right? That right. He looked like he was actually having fun out on the baseball field. It's that same Farvian energy. Yeah. Yeah. And... Uh, for guys not to be able to show that, to be just expect, you know, expected to... You know, and... You know, it's kind of that same mentality. You, you like the Barry Sanders, you know, hand the ball mm-hmm. off to the ref type thing. Right. But I, I also like to see guys who have personality and are willing to show it and not be, you know, penalized for it in some way like mm-hmm. they're in baseball. And, and you know, the guys that celebrate in football, you don't see them. I mean, other than when Terrell Owens, you know, went to the, the center of the Cowboys Stadium and uh, right on the star and put the football down. Yeah. Um, you know, that's kind of the one time that you saw any kind of retaliation immediate sort of thing immediate retaliation yeah yeah i think you're gonna see that happen to cam newton at some point you think yeah yeah you don't think it would have happened already by now uh wait till he plays jj watt a couple times yeah you know i mean he's gonna it's just a matter of pissing off the wrong dude at some point i suppose yeah but but yeah, for for Bryce Harper to come out and say how I really feel about baseball, I'd like to see guys that look like they're having fun in that game. And to me, you know, if guys are going to show no emotion, you could just watch the game on your phone, right? Because it shows you where all the pitches go. It shows you that the guy went to first base. It shows, you know, when, when a guy's gone around the bases. All that non-emotion stuff is already right there on your phone. You don't need to watch the game. Mm-hmm. And how many people do you see at the ballpark? So often when they pan to the crowd and they're looking down at their phone. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's that's what if baseball, if you aren't going to have guys showing emotion, you're going to have people that aren't going to be watching. So Bryce Harper, better at life. life. Here's but here's what I would add to that. What what is sport? It's an entertainment business. 
in Major League Baseball isn't that entertaining. And the reason is why just just what you said. There really isn't any emotion in the game anymore. It just looks like a bunch of robots going through the motions. Now, I do like it when Barry Sanders was classy, when he just scored one, you know, regular season touchdown. Week three, they're down 14 and uh, with two minutes to go, and he hands the ball there up because the touchdown didn't really mean anything. <laughs> That's like a good point. But it, it, much like Marshawn Lynch, the majority of his touchdowns, and the ball ref, shake everybody's hands and all that. But when he busted out a beast quake, <laughs> right. he's grabbing these nuts <laughs> and doing like, you know, a backwards jump in the end zone because that was a huge That's play. Not, right. It's not, it's not about that you, you can't do it. It's just don't do it after every single thing. If Bryce Harper hits one 500 feet out of a stadium and he wants to stand there and admire it and be so he proud be that a button's that. gonna pop off his chest, I think he should be able to do that. In fact, I would watch more. If I, if I, if I had Randy Johnson staring down a, a a batter just like you talked about or getting pumped up like he used to do on the mound yeah. uh, and Pedro that showed all the emotion like give me that again oh, like, like guys yeah. I can care about and those guys those pitchers that do like the fist pump after striking a guy out like that's that's somehow frowned upon yeah. too yeah I'm like well, why can't they be excited about striking out a guy in a big moment yeah I mean it's like you Kirk Gibson what? you remember that Kirk Gibson home run you know, to win the World Series yeah. and him going around the the base paths pumping his fist, you know, limping around the bases. And these are all grown-ass men, correct? Right. Like, if your little feelers get hurt because a dude fist pumps in front of you, you need to check yourself. There's more disrespect in a game of, of cornhole in the backyard uh, at a barbecue between me and Jared than these guys can handle. And we're just two dudes. Yeah. You should be able to handle it. You should be able to handle it. You're and a grown you're all man. competitive. Why is it so bad to show that you're excited? Sorry. But, you know, I'm an excited guy. So Bryce Harper, I totally agree with this guy. Better at life than Skip Bayless. You are right, Brandon. You All right. right. What do you got to close us out? All right. Well, mine's a little different. Uh, my better at life this week is for none other than uh, Green Bay Packers star quarterback Aaron Rodgers. Uh, this came out last week in an article by Dan Hanzus from uh, around the NFL. Oh, yeah. um, basically, Aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm. Uh, Aaron Rodgers went on a, uh, a popular podcast, uh, called You Made Seahawkers? It Weird. Oh. You Made It Weird. No, he did not come on here yet. Uh, and he should, he should come on and own the fact that Golden Tate caught that ball. Right. Exactly. Even if he didn't catch it, he caught it. And, uh, so anyways, he goes on the podcast and begins to tell a story of a time when he saw a UFO. Reveals a whole UFO sighting. Yes. Yeah. Him and his buddies come out of the apartment. There's a big disc is moving all around, kind of behind the clouds. And he's like, yeah, man. And this wasn't just for like for a minute. Like he went off about it like for a while. Like this is back in the day, like when he was heading to New York for, for, uh, to tape a segment, uh, for ESPN's cold pizza. You remember mm-hmm. that show? Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Like, like way back in the day. But anyway, so he goes into a big thing about, uh, he, you know, it is, it is excuse of why he sees a set of fellows like that. Well, they, we all ate a really big Italian dinner, went back to the apartment. He was, I'm sure he was freaking hammered you know, with all of his buddies that go outside, see the large orange glowing open, go left, right globe and, you know, goes left to right. And they're like, Oh, look at the UFO. I just like that Aaron Rodgers maybe believes in little green men. I think that's fun. <laughs> I, I, I like space stuff. I think that uh, you know aliens probably do exist somewhere and for Aaron Rodgers to confirm it with his own two eyes 
better at life than Skip Bayless. I like that. I like that. You know, th- this brings up a, an interesting memory for me from when I was a kid out in Washington. I wonder with other Seahawks fans in Washington around this time, it would have been probably late 80s, early 90s. And I remember seeing on the news a, a report about unidentified like ships through the sky. And it was just a, a really weird story that I never heard any kind of uh, you know, got any kind of conclusion on. Mm-hmm. I just remember the, the actual news reporting on these lights in the sky, like slow moving. And it was out in Washington. Mm-hmm. And then it, it never heard. This was back before Internet. So you couldn't find out, you know, well, well what was this? And yeah, just one news story one day and then nothing. That's because, Brandon, they were weather balloons. I think they were weather balloons. I think that was the, that, that might have been the story that came out afterward. But there's no freaking way that those are weather balloons. Those weather- From what I saw by my eyes on that news story, those weren't weather balloons, Adam. <laughs> those were just weather balloons and you didn't see what you thought you saw. <laughs> That's the official story. The men in black For- came to the house. Forget about it, Brandon. Yeah. It's not worth it. <laughs> You're right, though. Good yeah. news, though. Just got the email that uh, Seahawkers podcast T-shirts on the way. Oh, all right, man. Uh, are we going to do another round of those or something for those who maybe didn't get in that wanted to? Or we'll have we to get... look into that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think we want to do something like that. Either Nothing that, planned. Yeah. Uh, you know what we need? I need some feedback. Do we, do we want to do more T-shirts or do we want to do hats mm. or do we want like what? What all? What all do you guys want? Like, I mean, if you if, if there for, is anything. For prizes and stuff, right? Yeah. Like, because I think we should give out like shirts and hats and crap for like uh, picks and IPAs prizes this year. I like it. Okay. All right. So, yeah, get on that. Wh- whatever you guys think would be cool. Like, you know, whether it be like coffee mugs or or whatever. Whatever. What, what makes you happy? Yeah, indeed. And if you have any UFO sightings, too. Right. Let us know. Yeah, definitely let us know. Because it's the off season. It is the off season. And uh, that might be the most exciting thing on any given show. So. <laughs> Well, with that, there's only one thing left to say. Go Hawks. Go Hawks.